Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of the Starkville Daily News, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Everyone needs a little bit of thunder and lightning, gentlemen. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad, all by his lonesome here in Nashville. Joel T. Coleman, hopefully... By the time we were listening to this, or let me not, because I'll put it up right away, I guess, but he's making that safe trip home to Starkville. I will make that trip myself on New Year's Eve, and then we'll have everything basically back to normal from what I can tell uh, uh, for the rest of the way. Thank you guys for tuning in, especially the servicemen and women out there. Hopefully you guys all had a great Christmas, and looking forward to a happy new year, MSU sports uh, aside of that. Uh, of course, I want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream, taking care of us and taking care of you in the new year. College Corner as well. Uh, go to collegecornerstore.com or go to either one of their two locations in the Capital City area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet, or they're, of course, they're in, uh, by, over by the Half Shell in Flowood. Either one of those places, you're going to find the top uh, selection of Mississippi State merchandise for you and your family. So, if you missed uh, what I said on Twitter, if you missed uh, Periscope, we're not going to. This is not going to be your typical uh, post game thing because with Joel not with me, I wanted to have that full experience. So tomorrow's pod uh, will have uh, what's causing all that, things that are true, and coffee is for closers. We'll do that on. I guess the holiday season has got me so torn up here. Uh, I assume. That would be a Wednesday podcast. Now, that would normally be the rumblings. We'll push the rumblings back another day into Thursday, and you can get all your questions into me and Joel and whatever you guys want to talk about uh, there. But that said, let's talk about Mississippi, Mississippi State, Louisville. Interesting little side note, and it completely uh, <laughs> makes no difference, but I just realized that State's final game of the year had the same score as the season opener, but it was reversed, and it was against a team that the, uh, the live stats anyway would call UL. Funny how, how that works. 38-28 is the final score from here in Nashville against Louisville in the Music City Bowl. This is the the, the word we're going to have to use here is frustration. Uh, I don't see – when I've talked to MSU fans throughout this season, be it uh, meeting them in person, talking to them over social media, the questions you guys send in, I don't remember a more frustrating season for Mississippi State. I don't remember a year where it just felt like nothing was going right at any point in the season. There was never, basically for me, from the time Tommy Stevens gets hurt against Southern Mississippi, nothing went Mississippi State's way in, a, in, a, in a, any kind of reasonable uh, expectation. They won a couple of games here and there, obviously. They got the six wins, but this, this was not anywhere close to what Bulldog fans were expecting. And I think that uh, I think that I got retweeted by Butterfinger. So I said their Sonic Blast is the best. And that's and then it is. You can live with that. Um, this was, you know, you, you, when you think about year two of Joe Moorhead 
and you th- you think about what was sort of the story of 2018 was well he just doesn't have his quarterback in place he just doesn't you know Nick Fitzgerald he just can't be the guy in this offense so you go out and you get a quarterback who has a ton of experience in this offense and then you go out and recruit and sign your your handpicked successor the guy you're ready to you've been recruiting for years even going back to Penn State and those are the two guys that play well there's you know, what's the new narrative? What is the idea behind why this team struggled so badly? And a lot of people, you know, some people want to point at Tudorgate, and I will agree that Tudorgate definitely impacted what State did defensively this year. They were a different defense all season long with it when they were at full strength. Now, they weren't at full strength on uh, Monday by any stretch of the imagination. They were missing Cam Dantzler, they were missing Brian Cole, and then we found out they were going to be missing Errol Thompson uh, very, very uh, early in the, uh, in the game. So, you know, I, I think I said this on Periscope. You know, I, I try not, I'm not wanting to make excuses for Bob Shoot, but I can at least explain my way around the fact why State wasn't as good defensively this year. We all knew they were going to take a step back. We didn't know the suspensions were going were to happen when we made those predictions. And now, you know, looking ahead to next year defensively, I'm, I'm excited about that unit because I think, you know, Crumity and Lovett and Pickering. And uh, Kobe Jones should be back, if I'm right. See, redshirt, it's a 17, 18. Yeah, he's a senior. Um, Marquis Spencer is back. Thompson and Willie Gay are back. Uh, Emerson, Jones, Murphy. You've got a lot of talent there. But I, I can't help but think that the number one defense in the country with three first-round picks on it uh, could only get a team to eight wins. And that, that team offensively, I think, will be miles ahead of what this team is because there is, this team is bereft of skill position talent. And Schrader, as much as I like him and I think he can be a really good quarterback, he is not uh, hes not a one-man gang back there. And Dak Prescott, as great as he was, had talent around him. Josh Robinson was a 1,000-yard rusher. Dorani Wilson, Fred Ross, Fred Brown, Jamion Lewis, that was a, a quality receiving core. Malcolm Johnson was a quality tight end there. Who, who are State's skill position guys next year? Right now you're telling me, if you had to guess, you're lining up. Listen to this lineup, guys. State's going to line up with Schrader, Lee Witherspoon, Osiris Mitchell, Austin Williams, and Malik Heath. That's a whole lot of not much. The most proven guy in there is Osiris Mitchell, who had, I think, without doing, you know, going and looking it up, had, I think, six catches after the Tennessee game. So... I can't help but feel that Joe Moorhead, and, and not that he, you know, not that it's not on him to do this, but I, I feel like he, he's sort of set up to fail uh, this upcoming season. I don't see how he can be expected to be successful with what he has. The, the, the team has to take a step forward offensively to be better. They just have to. And they, they also have to do that just so that Joe Moorhead can start to, you know, prove what was said about him uh, as when he was hired, that he's this offensive guru. They have to be better offensively next year. Why would I look at that roster and think, okay, that they're going to be much better offensively next year? You can't possibly, unless you're just, you know, a blind optimist look at that team and say, "Okay, they're going to be a lot better." So this is, you know, this is the situation for Joe Moorhead. He has to 
really pull a rabbit out of his hat. He has to find a way to be better. He has to get these guys who are already on the roster to develop, and he needs somebody, and Malik Heath is obviously the first choice there, to really be something that State has not gotten in a long time, and that is an instant impact player. A guy who is just good, and I don't mean just good enough to start, I mean good from day one. And I don't know that that's going to happen. That's a lot of pressure to put on Heath. I keep going back to that uh, 2017 recruiting class. Was it 2017? I can never remember. I think, yeah, 27, the, the class, I'm sorry, the class of eight, the signing day was 18, so the class of 18. And State signs three receivers they think are going to completely turn around their fortunes in the passing game. Devontae Jason, Malik Keith, and Stephen Gidry. Gidry's gone. He finally had a good game. Give him credit. He had six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. Good job, Stephen. Devontae Jason, he's gone after doing nothing. And now Malik Keith is finally here. And it just didn't work out the way I think anybody uh, planned for it to. Um, so for Moorhead, the, you know, the question becomes, why would I think, why looking at this team, do I think they're going to be better in 20, uh, 2020? Which, by the way, I can't believe it's going to be 2020 in you know, a few hours. Like, you know, less, just, just over you know, 30 hours from now, I guess. It is, it's, it's tough. It's tough to look and be objective and look ahead and see that. Joe Moorhead is a coach that we, we said it when he was hired was he walked into an unusual situation. Normally coaches don't take over jobs where the previous coach was the best coach they'd ever had before that. It's just it's just rare. You know, especially you know, we're talking about, you know, it's one thing when you're replacing Bobby Bowden or Bear Bryant, but even Bobby Bowden and Bear Bryant, their last couple of years at those schools, they were down from their usual level of success. Dan Mullen was coming off one of his better years, and he had left behind a team that everybody, and I don't really, you know, I know what Joe Moore had said about the mythology of that thing, but there is just no convincing me. There's no convincing Brian Haydad, and I don't think there's any convincing any of you that that team wasn't loaded and ready to win 10-plus games. There's no convincing me of that. They gave up 12 touchdowns in the season. That should be enough to win 10 games 10 times out of 10. It is a statistical anomaly. It is an outlier of the highest order that they didn't do that. Not a lot of coaches walk into a situation like Joe Moorhead walked into. And you complicate that by trying to convince your fans that there was cracks. There were cracks. There were Problems. There were there was an issue with the foundation of the program. That is an incredibly tough sell. You know, it's it's tough to convince somebody who has it good that they can have it better if they just have it bad for a little while. I think I've, I've used that analogy before. You know, think about you know if you have a good job, how tough would it be for me to say, yeah, you could be making a lot more money, but you're going to go through hell for three years and not make any money. I mean, most people would just say, you know what, I'm good where I am. Especially when I can tell you, oh, I can't guarantee that you're going to get that, 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 that upgrade. So you have that, and then you have, you know, like we've said a million times before, if State were losing these games because defensively they just couldn't stop anybody, well, I think people would be more forgiving. But when you hire a coach and you, 
you rant and rave about how great he is offensively, and there's articles written about his system and how unique and innovative it is, and then you go out there and you just see a, a team that cannot move the football against quality defenses. It's, it's an impossible situation. It, you, it, you, the, the well has been poisoned at that point. So this is a tough situation for Mississippi State, for John Cohen, for Joe Moorhead. You know, think about next year. Think about that first game against New Mexico State. Just, you have to think that's going to be an early kickoff, an 11 a.m. kickoff. So the first weekend of September, 11 a.m. against New Mexico State, 110 degrees, 86% humidity. <laughs> Are you going to that game? Answer that question for me on social media. Are you going to that game? Even if you're a season ticket holder, if you're not one of these people, and I see these threads on social media and on, uh, on message boards, people saying, I'm, I'm out, I'm not renewing. But even if you are someone who's renewing, are you going to that game? How many people are going to be at that first game? You know, and that's, that's, that's the, the story here. That's, you know, state fans are apathetic. Apathy is starting to set in. It's set in with basketball, and even after an NCAA tournament appearance, and even after, you know, say what you want about Howland, the program has gotten better every year under him. He has won more games every year. I don't know if that's going to happen this year, but regardless. So you, you say all that, and you still see, can't get people to come back. Now, I don't think football is that way so much, because football is football. And people want to come up on the weekends, and they want to tailgate, and they want to see the campus. I, and that's, it's just different than basketball. But you think about the, the way the, the crowds were in 14 and 15 versus the way they're going to be in 20, and that's a huge, huge step back. And that's, what, you know, that's, that's the image you put forward to, to, on television is an empty stadium and an offense that doesn't move the football and fan apathy. I feel like I'm way over the top or doom and gloom, but find me a positive. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it if you give me one. I think, like I said, I think that... Uh, that state has some opportunities next year defensively. And I think, you know, I think that, uh, they can, a couple of the young guys offensively, I I think Jaquavius Marks has the talent and the, the, the skill set that you need to be a successful back in this system and to be in the sec. I think that Dylan Johnson is sort of the same. I've talked a lot about Garrett Trader. I think he's going to be a big-time player for MSU. The offensive line next year should be pretty good. You bring back a lot of guys, and you've recruited well there. This is going to be next year will be Dollar Bill and Charles Cross should step in, four-star, five-star guys. So there's, there's some potential. And, and having a good offensive line is going to do a great job for you. You know, that's going to be a big, forward, big, big, big part of moving forward. And I thought, I will say this, I thought the receivers – even though the, the numbers don't really bear it out, I thought they played better this year under Michael Johnson. I really do. You know, and it, you, like I said, if Malik Heath can just – if I t- said right now, hey, the stat line for Malik Heath is 35 catches, 510 yards, and six touchdowns, you're taking it. You're taking it. And that would be pretty good. That would be good enough to, to make you believe that the guys around him maybe had three or 400 yards as well, and you've got something there. We said it last year. I remember saying this and, and sort of going over and over with it, is that State didn't have to be the top offense in the conference. They just needed to be better. They just needed to be in the top half of the conference. They needed to average 28 to 30 points per game. That's not a ton in this day and age of college football. 
They didn't do it this year. Can they do it next year? I don't know. I'm interested to see what, what signing day brings. I'm interested to see I'm interested to see what direction Joe Moorhead goes with those remaining slots. I think three to four guys will probably come in. Who are, you know, there's no guy, there's no body in the uh that's like a high school recruit that or maybe even a JUCO recruit that that's going to be an instant impact guy. So I think the transfer portal is going to be key again for Mississippi State. You know, Isaiah Zuber, it just didn't work out for whatever reason for him. That's another, you know, honestly, if you said rank the disappointments of this season, he might be really close to the top. That's a guy who caught 50 passes a year ago in the Big 12. You thought, surely he can come in and be a guy who, you know, again, not asking him to be Randy Moss, just asking him to be good. And he didn't get that from him. So, but you have to try again. You can't, you can't let, you know, that lack of success prevent you from, because that's the only way you're going to do it. You have to go out and find these guys. I don't know about Justin Shorter, five-star kid who signed with Penn State, signed with Moorhead when he was the offensive coordinator there. Do you go after him? Obviously, the talent is there. You know, I don't know about the rest. You know, is he a head case? I don't know. But you're going to have to go out and find some guys like that who want to come and play for Mississippi State. And then you probably need to find another veteran running back because I don't know. I, I'm not going to buy into the idea that Kareem Walker can be a huge contributor for Mississippi State until I see it. I mean, that, that's going to have to be a see-it-to-believe-it kind of thing. I don't know how he's going to be the guy who is able to – I mean, in all, in all seriousness, he should be the starter next year. He's the senior. But is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Think about how long it's been, by the way, for Mississippi State since they had a, a running back that you thought, okay, he's going to be fine. Even, you know, the Shumpert Holloway year, Eris Williams was on the roster. And you just thought, well, if they would just give the ball to Eris Williams, none of this would be happening. But, I mean, you think about Robinson, uh, Ladarius Perkins, uh, Vic Ballard, Anthony Dixon, Jarius Norwood. I mean, how far back do you have to go? Desenzo Miller, Dante Walker when he was, before he became a head case. J.J. Johnson, Kiefer McGee, Michael Davis, Kevin Bowie. You have to go back to, like, Rocky Felker's last year to, not, to have a year where State just didn't have a running back that made you think that you were going to game plan around him. So, got to find that guy. That, that's probably the biggest question of the offseason, to be honest with you, is who is the running back on this team next year? Can they can – st- there's no way, no way this offense is going to be better without a 1,000-yard rusher. You've got to have that. That is the the bare minimum. And then you go figuring it out the rest of the way. But think about the how, how bad it would have been these past couple years if State couldn't have run the ball. And they couldn't have done anything. So, something to watch out for. I'm going to wrap this up pretty quick, I guess. Not a whole lot to talk about. Like I said, I want to get a lot more into it in depth and detail uh, tomorrow uh, with Joel when we do our full uh, preview. I want to see, take a look at basketball real quick. Looks like State's got that one wrapped up. Because I say that, you never know. But six minutes left to go in the game. 27-point lead for the Bulldogs. Am I, I don't know if I'm reading this right or if, if our friend Danny P. Smith has got these stats right, but Reggie Perry with 26-17? and 17? Holy cow. That's, impre- that's really, really impressive. Um, so that's a much-needed win for Mississippi State. Uh, we'll see where it takes them uh, going into conference play, which starts next Saturday or this coming Saturday. I'm sorry. The Auburn Tigers, the only undefeated team left in the SEC and one of the few teams left in the nation uh, come to the hump. Big game coming up there. Guys, I will be back with you tomorrow, so I'll wish you a happy New Year's then. If you're traveling back from Nashville, safe travels to you and get back home safe. And we'll talk to you again on New Year's Eve. Joel, P, Joel T. will be back with me 
uh, tomorrow. Guys, have a great one. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.